Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. It's good to be with you. I pray that you're all well. And um, I wonder if something's wrong with the camera here. But um, it's truly good to see you. Um, I'm sorry. Okay, okay, great, okay. Um, sorry, just a little technical glitch over here. All is well. God is in control. God is on his throne. Um, it's truly, truly wonderful. We watched a, um, a video yesterday of Michael Matt from Remnant TV, who's over in Japan, um, speaking with the uh, kind of the remnant of the faith there, traditionalist Catholics who kept the faith um, over 250 years. Francis Xavier went over, and I think there was 300,000 converted and they didn't have a priest. Uh, I don't know from when on, but for 250 years, there was no priest, um, no sacraments, nothing. And a group of them simply stayed faithful. And then they're faithful today. They're traditional. They're wonderful, uh, truly magnificent Catholics. And Michael Matt went over there to, to encourage them, along with us, since the church is shrinking, quite a bit to those who are faithful um, and um, uh, who are living the faith no matter what and who will not abandon ship no matter what. Um, so it truly, truly wonderful. I would even, and you know, Michael and Matt compared it to the time of the Vendee in France where the lay people, not uh, trained soldiers, it was, uh, they fought the revolution and many of them died, and finally everything was burned up. They were burned up. They were killed. They fought for their faith. And um, uh, it's a beautiful thing to watch. If if you just look up Michael Matt Remnant TV in Japan, and you'll find it really wonderful. And if you haven't seen the film on the Vendee, um, V-A-N-D-E-E, I believe it is, it would be a wonderful film to watch with your family with your family to see how the French peasants, the peasants, rose up to save the church, to save the faith. That's what we need to do today, beloved. That's what we need to do. And we do it by living as if it's true, by compromising absolutely nothing, but living as if it's true. It's the only way to live. It's the only way to convert the world. Apostle Paul said it's the way to convert the Jewish people, uh, in his time, being Jewish himself, having been an Orthodox Jew and came to believe in the Jewish Messiah, there were many Jews, hundreds of thousands of them, that began Christianity, which is a Jewish faith, uh, founded on the Jewish Messiah, the Jewish apostles, um, and the rest of the Jews, when they didn't believe, Apostle Paul said to them, live as if it's true, live your faith, be willing to live for it, and if it's not worth dying for, 
it's not worth living for. And it was worth dying for. Um, and so um, uh, that's the way they said you'll convert the world by making them, by making them jealous. So um, we're having, I think, a little trouble with the live stream. But those of you on the radio can hear. Those of you on the live stream, I think, can hear well. But somehow the video's having a little trouble. So we'll go on. And I'd like to pick up from where we were yesterday, and then after the break, we'll take your calls, your emails, your texts. I'll give you the number now. Um, it, you can always call or text or email early, and when we come back from the break, we'll we'll take your calls. It's toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at com. I've been reading a paper on modesty, and I've um, downloaded it from Fish Eaters' website, fisheaters.com. I love the name of it, Fish Eaters. We're still Fish Eaters. And again, if you don't eat fish on Friday, that's no problem, but you should not eat meat. You should not eat meat. And if you, in, in as a sacrifice, um, in union with our Lord who died, the Lamb of God who died on the cross for us on Friday... And if you need to eat meat for any reason, then there's another sacrifice that you can make, whatever it is that you can give to God every Friday. Okay. And so uh, the article began talking about our living in a a fallen state and quoting Sirach or Ecclesiasticus, um, one of those books that I missed as a Protestant which in chapter 9 says, A man is known by his look, and a wise man, when thou meetest him, is known by his countenance. The attire of the body, and the laughter of the teeth, and the gait of the man show what he is. See, you can tell a lot about a man, um, a lot about a book by its cover. You can, beloved. Um, I'm just doing something here to connect something. Hold on one second. My goodness, we're having several things uh, not working this morning. Um, one's, there it is, it's working. Okay, we're good. And the second quote is from St. Paul's letter to Timothy, um, and he writes, In like manner, women also, in decent apparel, adorning themselves with modesty and sobriety, not with plated hair or gold or pearls or costly attire, but as it becometh women, professing godliness with good works. And we went on to speak about some of the points I made at the conference this weekend, that women and their daughters, even in the Catholic Church, even in the where we went to Mass, um, they're just half naked. They come in short shorts and low tops and sleeveless and low cut, loose, tight, terrible, terrible things. Men come in shorts with their legs in, uh, being exposed. It's really, um, I said everyone came, uh, not everyone, but qu- uh, an astonishing number of people came to me. They didn't come to me, but they came to church uh, looking uh, to me as if they were going to the beach. I was I just astounded at that, just astounded at that. We need to live for God. If we're Catholic, we need to be in the world and not of it. And so, 
um, let me see, um, our bodies. Now, again, in the subject of modesty, this doesn't have to do just with dress. It has to do with speech, deportment, uh, everything. Um, and it's not just for women, it's for men. Uh, so it's not just a matter of long skirts. It is our whole person that is modest, and our model is the Blessed Mother. She's not out of date. But if you get dressed in the morning, women, and you can picture Mary in shorts, in tight clothing, in a skirt above her knees, in a sleeveless dress, in a low-cut top, if you can picture that, um, you don't have a picture of Mary. And men, um, I don't think Joseph would wear shirts shorts to synagogue. I don't think he'd wear them even around the house. Modesty is built in. It's a matter of character. And this article goes on to say, our bodies are holy gifts to be revealed and given to another person only in marriage. You see, it's all part of modesty. We give our bodies only to a person if you're a woman, you give your body to a man. If you're a man, you give your body to a woman. There's no other form of marriage. And only in marriage. So to dress half naked or, or be naked before uh, anyone um, is, uh, it's not simply immodest, it's a cause of sin. Your sin and the people that you tempt. Given, this goes on to say, given all the talk about the shame of immodesty, one might get the impression that the church sees the body as a bad thing and that we cover ourselves because we are ugly. But this is not the case. Adam and Eve didn't cover themselves because they were created bad or ugly. They covered themselves because through the fall, they no longer reflected what God made them to be. Perfect complements of one another and the perfect image of their creator. In covering themselves, they attempted to recover the dignity they had lost in the fall. Pope Pius XII wrote in an address to those in the fashion industry, and before I was a sister, beloved, um, if you're looking online, dear ones, and you don't see the live program, there's a little glitch here, which I think during the break we're going to try to straighten out more. Oh, I think I think we're back up. I'm not sure. Um, okay. All right. This is terrific. Hello. <laughs> Hello, those who are watching live stream. Uh, but we'll always continue, even if the live stream is not functioning. We'll always continue. And you'll be able to hear us <clears throat> on Facebook, YouTube, Station of the Cross, um, Mother Miriam Live, wherever you are. Um, and Pope Pius Twelfth wrote in an address to those in the fashion industry, he said this, um, the church, on the contrary, does not censure or condemn styles when they are meant for the proper decorum and ornamentation of the body. But the church never fails to warn the faithful against being easily led astray by them. This positive attitude of the church derives from reasons far higher than the mere aesthetic or hedonistic considerations, which have been assumed by a renewed paganism. That's what we're living, beloved, a renewed paganism. The church knows and teaches that the human body 
which is God's masterpiece in the visible world and which has been placed at the service of the soul. Do you hear that? The soul is not at the service of the body. The body is at the service of the soul. And the body was elevated by the divine redeemer to the rank of a temple and an instrument of the Holy Spirit. And as such, must be respected. The body's beauty must therefore not be exalted as an end in itself, much less in such guise as will defile the dignity it has been endowed with. You know, I'll stop here for a moment. Uh, On the internet yesterday, I saw a commercial. I don't remember what I was watching. Um, I don't remember. It might have been the... uh, uh, I don't. I don't recall what it was, but um, it, it it is women who have lost all sense of dignity, all sense of modesty, and the advertising company who uh, perpetrated this, all sense of beauty, of self-respect. These were extremely heavy women with their stomachs going. It's terrible to describe where their stomachs were in folds, and they had a particular type of girdle of a sort and there they stood with their naked bodies all rolled fats fat in rolls pulling up this girdle to show them and and trying to get it over that fat to to pull it up uh high uh, to show the potential buyers that you can look terrific and uh, you're still heavy but you no rolls no no dense no you, you look like a fashion model, a heavy fashion model, but a heavy, but a fashion model. You may think I'm being crude and relating this to you, but it is so obnoxious. It is so incredibly disgraceful that women do not care how they look, how they present themselves by being part of this commercial and the commercial itself trying to sell its product. It is so... It's despicable, it's disgraceful, it's immodest. It shows that we have no longer, we are a pagan society, no longer any regard for the body, for the dignity of the person, for the respect of the person. No regard whatsoever. To produce a product like that is fine. To advertise it live like that is is. Absolutely disgraceful. Let me see where I was. The church knows and teaches. Um, I know we read that. Hold on. Um, I'll read, reread that sentence. The church knows and teaches that the human body, which is God's masterpiece in the visible world and which has been placed at the service of the soul, was elevated by the divine Redeemer to the rank of a temple and an instrument of the Holy Spirit, and as such must be respected. There's no respect for anyone. There's no self-respect. There's no respect for others, for anyone that would put that commercial together, for any um, TV station or Internet um, uh, feed that would that would show that 
uh, commercial and for any woman that would be part of it for any amount of money. The body's beauty must therefore not be exalted as an end in itself, much less in such guise as will defile the dignity it has been endowed with. That completely defiled, defiled uh, the dignity not only of the body, but of women. Absolutely horrendous. No, the body, I'm continuing to read, the body is not an evil thing, though it is quite prone to evil and must be ruled by the head. It is God's masterpiece in the visible world, elevated by the Christ, who himself took on human flesh and made a temple at baptism. Further, Jesus raised marriage to the level of a sacrament, restoring it to what it was in the beginning. In marriage, the man and woman can stand before each other naked with no shame at all, just as Adam and Eve did in the beginning. Outside of that marriage covenant and the Eden of holy matrimony, however, revealing the body immodestly is shameful and leads to a lust that does not honor the other in all ways as a person. I would say it does not honor the other in any way at all as a person, but degrades him or her as an object. Only in marriage, where the spouse is a total gift, body and soul to the other, is there no shame in revealing the vulnerability of our incompleteness. That doesn't mean someone on their marriage night is 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 not shy and all of that. But when husband and wife come together, there's no shame in that. An analogy here, the very word modesty comes from the Latin modus, which means limit. I didn't know that. The word modesty comes from the Latin word modus, M-U-D-U-S, which means limit. Clothing limits accessibility to that um, which should only be given in marriage. Now think of fire. Is fire bad? No, fire warns us, cooks our food, enchants us with its beauty, and so on. But an uncontrolled fire, a fire without limit, destroys. It is the same with the body and with sex. Modesty sets limits on the unveiling of what is good so that it does not destroy. To be immodest is to eradicate those limits and to give to the world that to which it has no right but belongs to one's spouse alone. It is to profane what should be treated as holy and to cheapen the gift of oneself. Those women in that commercial... Um, they thought they were selling a product and looking cool and spiffy and what they were doing is completely degrading themselves and, and women as a whole and the human race. Not only was that not in the bedroom and not in the marriage embrace, but that was on TV for millions to see. Awful. Um, okay, the soul and the body are one. 
in the article on veiling, this is the woman who wrote this now, she said, on the article on veiling, I note that the things that are considered holy are veiled, such as the ciborium, the tabernacle, the holy of holies. We must regain the Christian view that our bodies are worthy of such veiling. That's what Dr. Alice von Hildebrand said. Women are veiled in church not because they are inferior, but because they are sacred. You veil what is sacred. You veil what is holy. Resist, she says, what our post-enlightenment culture tries to tell us. And don't believe that our bodies are commodities to be displayed and bought and sold. That view rests on the lie of dualism, which sees our bodies as something apart from who we are. But we are not souls with bodies, or bodies with souls. We are a unity of soul and body, a unity that must be treated as a unity. The soul is created at the moment of our conception, and even after death, the profound link between body and soul remains, which is why Christians value relics, the relics of the saints. The link between the body and soul remains. At the last judgment, our bodies will be resurrected, and if we die in a state of grace, they'll also be glorified. We cannot treat our bodies as things that we own. They are a fundamental part of who we are. Accordingly, our exterior should reflect the soul. And a Christian's soul calls for his to be body, um, for his body to be adorned in a Christian manner with modesty, dignity, and holiness in mind. Those women who were part of that incredibly shameful commercial, they may even be Christians. They may say, oh, we don't, we go to church on Sunday, we dress very respectfully. But you see, the body and soul are one. And wherever you are is what you are. It makes no difference that you're in a commercial for a girdle or a mass on Sunday. There's no difference. You are who you are. God is who he is. And that sort of debauchery and disgrace should never be part of your life. For a woman, reflecting her human dignity entails understanding how her humanity is uniquely feminine. Dr. Alice von Hildebrand speaks well of this. She speaks well of everything, beloved. You get a hold of anything Dr. von Hildebrand says. Um, uh, you and or writes, you will be in good shape. She's actually my my grand godmother. Um, Rhonda Shervin, and many of you may know Rhonda Shervin, uh, a Jewish convert who had grown up in a communist family in Spain. Um, and she's my godmother, and it was Dr. Alice von Hildebrand who brought Rhonda Chervin, and her husband, Dietrich, who brought Rhonda Chervin into the church. So I consider her my grand-godmother. And she's absolutely fantastic. She speaks well of this and recalls the fourth chapter of Solomon's Canticle of Canticles when she wrote this. 
there is something extraordinarily great and mysterious about femininity. And why do I say it is so great and so mysterious? Because you all know that every little girl that is born is born with a seal, so to speak, protecting the mystery of her femininity, which is the womb. There is a seal, and if you understand, a seal always indicates something which is sacred. The seal, which does not exist in the male, in the male body, is profoundly symbolic and says this belongs to God in a special way. This is a sphere which is so beautiful and so profound that it cannot be touched upon except with God's permission in a Catholic marriage. Did you ever think of that? Every little girl is born with a seal. The seal over which in a marriage when God, with God's permission a child is conceived it's sacred it's protected and that seal is never to be touched let alone broken until marriage there's the music for our break beloved call in with anything on your heart toll free um, and it is um uh, let me see, toll-free, sorry about that, one 511 or email at com. You can text at the toll-free number as well and call in with anything on your heart, with your name or anonymously. We'll be right back, beloved. If God is calling you to give in support of the Station of the Cross, we want to do our best to make sure we receive your donations. Please let us know if recent changes have been made to your payment information so that we can better serve you as you continue to bless us with your financial support. Update your information today at thestationofthecross.com or by calling 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. If you're new to High Catholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download to your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. Kateri Takakwitha, St. Kateri, Lily of the Mohawks. We come to seek your intercession in our present need. We admire the virtues that adorned your soul, love of God and neighbor, humility, obedience, and the spirit of sacrifice. Help us to imitate your example in our life. 
pray to God for us and help us. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Good to be with you for sure. Um... And uh, let me see if we are really with you here. My goodness. Um, okay, hold on. I don't know. I think we're okay. We're okay. Or we've had a little technical glitches, a few this morning, but we're fine. Um, uh, we're also having um, a little difficulty uh, receiving some emails. I don't know what the the technicality issue is, but um, we've got a couple here. And um, if we are not able to get your emails, uh, feel free to call in, beloved, again, with anything on your heart. And it could be anonymous. I don't even have to know what state you're from. Um, but the issue, uh, the the, um, uh, the matter of the heart is the issue. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. I keep forgetting that. Hold on one moment. We had a call off the line from Emilio in Framingham. He says there was a woman in his parish who divorced and remarried. Um, Oh, you know what? Um, She was made head of the CCD program. We did answer that yesterday. Um, And I uh, expressed to Emilio that he should go to that woman and tell her that she should not be in that position and to let her know if she doesn't agree that she will be, um, that you will go to her pastor and and let him know. Okay, we're going to take a text from Carrie. Um, Carrie says, I'm a fashion designer and I wonder what you think of the culture and artistic side of fashion. Okay, I'm a fashion designer, and I wonder what you think of the culture and artistic side of fashion. There are traditional cultural garments which have passed on through generation by many peoples that would be considered immodest by the standards you are providing. Are we to reject the cultural artistry of fashion which we have been given by our ancestors. Now, um, I I don't know how to help you here, Carrie, because you're not giving me any examples. Um, In America, uh, the only period I could think we went through of cultural artistic fashion that was immodest was maybe the Roaring Twenties, where the skirts were uh, thigh length and that sort of thing, and the, the blouses were all the way down. Um, you may call that culture an artistic. It was simply debauchery. It was a modesty. That's what it was. I know it was fashion. I know many movies were made on it, but it's debauchery of of the human being, especially of the woman. Um, If you're looking to other cultures where uh, certain uh, tribes, uh, other peoples, uh, in uh, a whole different world than us, and they wear... The women are are naked at the top and they wear little skirts on the bottom or something. Uh, That's not artistic fashion. Uh, 
um, you know, um, the the fall happened in the garden, and the world, as you know, all of us are in sin ever since then. There's it is wrong for a body to be exposed. Eve knew that. What kind of cultural fashion did she wear? She and Adam took fig leaves to cover themselves. And then God knew they weren't covered enough, and he killed animals, and out of the animal skins made them clothing. You see, the the culture and all of that is not the issue. Modesty is the issue. Um, uh, so you'd have to be any more specific about being a fashion designer. The body of a woman should be modest. The body of a man should be modest. Men are wearing I see it on news reports, on on news channels, very tight pants and, and shirts. It's it's an abomination. It's awful to wear tight clothing like that and you're and you're being filmed. And it's truly tight. It's and and there are women um, newscasters and their skirts are halfway up their thighs and they're halfway naked. It's debauchery. That's not fashion. That's not culture. It is the fashion of a culture that has been incredibly degraded, Carrie. So if I could answer you more specifically, cultural, artistically, uh, the cultural, she says, are we to reject the cultural artistry of fashion, uh, we, which we've been given by our ancestors? If our ancestors have been sinful and immodest, yes, because the standard is not cultural artistry. The standard is the dignity of the human person. Not just the human body, but the human person. That's the standard. We don't reject it. We we bring it up to a level that will reflect God's glory. Okay. When we go into a strange culture, we don't reject them. Jesus came into our world filled with sin and immodesty. He didn't reject us. He lived among us and brought us to God. That's what we need to do with cultural artistry. We need to go into any culture, live among them, and bring them to God. Um, not, not. Um, we don't have to go in and criticize them. We need to go in and be uh, in the world and not of it. That's those are my thoughts, Carrie. If you have something more specific, um, let me know. Let me know. We have a, a question from Facebook from Thomas, who says, "Hi, Mother. I have a question about entertainment." I believe there are many movies, songs, books, etc. that are not explicitly Christian, yet are still very helpful in the Christian life. However, I do think that some people whose consciences are not well enough developed to see past the lack of explicit godly material within them, how can we ride this line as Catholics? She says... However, I do think that some people whose consciences are not well enough developed to see past the lack of explicit godly material within them, how can we ride this line with as Catholics? You know, um, it has to be, um, I'm sorry, we have a kind of a bit of a loudspeaker in the back here. My apologies, I can't get to it. Um, and, and it kind of distracted me here. Um, there are many movies, songs, and books that are not explicitly Christian, 
but they are, in other words, they don't speak about Jesus. But everything should be explicitly Christian, beloved. Everything should be explicitly Christian. Everything. Again, it may not speak of Christ. It may not speak of Christianity and all of that. But it's Christian if it, if it keeps Christian morals. The Sound of Music was not specifically a Christian mo- movie, but it was Christian in all its morals. In everything it did, it was Christian. That's a Christian movie. If it maintains the values of God, it is Christian. If it does not, it is not Christian, regardless of the subject matter. Um, there's the music, beloved, for our second break. It's going to be very short. Our phone lines are wide open. Call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at com. We'll be right back. St. Francis of Assisi said, All the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. Displaying a bumper magnet for Catholic Radio on your car may seem like such a small act of evangelization, but it truly changes lives. Request your free Catholic Radio bumper magnets today. Visit thestationofthecross.com and click the Promote tab at the top of our website. That's thestationofthecross.com. Then click the Promote tab. Thank you for supporting Catholic Radio and helping to spread the gospel message to everyone else on the road. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Good to be with you, and we have a good 15 minutes Uh, or more to ourselves. And again, our lines are wide open. And you're welcome to call in toll-free at 
5115483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. And I will tell you that the emails at the moment are having difficulty getting through. And so if you, um, if you're trying to email and say, I've been emailing, um, there's just a, a technical issue here. And, um, so it may be another day before they come through. Um, the note we had from Thomas on faith, Facebook, um, I was interrupted on this end by a very loud phone recording. I'm going to reread that because I reread it at the break and I, I got a little bit of a different message from it. So let me reread it to you. Thomas says, I have a question about entertainment. I believe there are many movies, songs, books, etc. that are not explicitly Christian yet are still very helpful in the Christian life. I absolutely believe that, Thomas. But I will go further to say, anything is, everything, our whole lives are supposed to be Christian. And a movie does not need to speak about Christ or the Christian faith in order to be Christian. To be a Christian is to be a follower of the Christ. And whatever we can do in his presence, uh, we can do, we can do. Um, and so if such a movie such as um, the, the, how do we say, the, uh, what did I say before, The Sound, Sound of Music, It's a Wonderful Life, um, um, oh, I'm trying to think of, you know, good, good films, and they're not explicitly Christian films, but they are Christian in their morals. Uh, they, that could be played in front of our Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and so he says, however, I do think that some people whose consciences are not well enough developed to see past the lack of explicit godly material within them. This is a a very um, awkward sentence here. What he's saying, I think, is that some, well, he's saying some people whose consciences are not well enough developed, they're not able, I think is what he means, to see past the lack of explicit godly material. <clears throat> I I don't know about that. Um, and then you say, he ends by saying, how can we ride this line as Catholics? We ride no line as Catholics. We do not ro- ride any line. Jesus rode no line. If there's anything that could be contrary to the Christian faith, even though it doesn't need to be explicitly about the Christian faith, if there's anything that's on a borderline about the Christian faith. We don't watch it. We don't ride a line. We need to live our faith and love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. You see? And so there are movies that are not uh, Christian, and they're wonderful to see. There are other movies that are not Christian, and, and people say, well, you know, there's no obscene scenes in there and everything. The language is okay. You can watch it, and I can't. I can't, because it does not draw my heart to Christ, and I will not watch it. Films can draw my heart to Christ. Um, I've watched many Holocaust films of heroes of the Holocaust. That has nothing to do in their minds with Christ, but it has everything to do with Christ. People of incredible morals who will sacrifice their life for others. That's Christian. That's what our Lord came to do for us even though it doesn't speak of Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. There's not riding the line. So you don't ride a line, Thomas. In my, in my mind, you don't ride any line. 
if it's a moral film, whether or not it's explicitly a Christian film speaking about Christ, if it's a moral film, then you then it's fine to watch. If it's not, I wouldn't watch it unless there's a reason for you to watch it uh, specifically. Um, I was asked to watch a film once about a famous composer, a true story of his life. And um, uh, the film, in the film, he, uh, he was an adulterer. He had the most incredible wife that any man could ever have. And no matter if he's, if he was with 10 women, she'd always take him back. She was no wimp, but she loved him and she respected her marriage vows. And he would be with another woman who mesmerized him and she knew it. And it was an awful film, but the heroicism of this true wife is what overwhelmed this couple who wanted me to watch the film because of the example of the true wife, which is good. So I watched the film, and I was absolutely sick by the end of that film. I understood the point. The point is good. The point is good. But to watch a man be degraded like that, to watch all that debauchery, I didn't need to do that. They didn't help me at all. You can see example of good women without having your eyes on all that stuff. Don't write any line ever. If a film, whether it's explicitly, as as you say, Thomas Christian or not, if a film does not bring you to Christ, does not lift your heart to want to love him and live for him more, throw it out. That's my standard. No line. No line to ride. We have a text from somebody who has... Um, Uh, written in anonymously and says, I believe the fashion designer who asked about the culture may have been referring to cultures other than the current one in America. For instance, Native American, Roman, Asian. Um, Should these cultures reject their fashion industry if it is not in line with modesty standards? Absolutely. We are not first people of our culture, of our fashion, That's been degraded through 2,000 years. We are people of God. And that's why I say if you live your faith, if you're in the world and not of it, if you live as if it's true, if you live as if the body is sacred, you will win the world. You don't have to be a preacher or evangelist. Live in the midst of this world as if your faith is true. Cover your body with beautiful fashion. Be modest. And you will convert people. You will. Yes, so yes, you you don't go with the standards of a culture if those standards are immodest. You are first to be of a heavenly culture, of the culture which our Lord came and gave his life for, that we would be in heaven. Here's a Facebook question from Stephanie, Mother Miriam. I am writing to you because you are such an inspiration to me. Well, I'm, I appreciate that. I'm happy for that, Stephanie. I was so happy to see you doing daily shows, and they bring joy to me when I get a chance to listen. I really feel like you are a spiritual mother to me. Well, blessed be God for that, that we can help each other, Stephanie. Um, I am a wife and mother of five children, four living and one in heaven. My children are young, 
and being a wife and stay-at-home mom is a full-time effort for me. Dear Stephanie, that's a full-time effort for anyone, uh, for any mother. But God has a funny way with me. He continues to put deep desires in my heart. I will envision them, hope for them, and then he will lead me to someone who is already doing it and waxing better than I ever could. I want so much to teach families to lead holy Catholic lives and even put my arms around the whole world. I always felt so crazy for these desires, but now I wonder if it is a calling to be a prayer warrior. I absolutely love Maccabees 1 and 2. Me too. Me too, Stephanie. And the story of the mother and the seven sons led me... um, Wait... The story of the mother and the seven sons is my absolute favorite. When I heard your talk on these, I knew the Holy Spirit led me to you. You certainly are my soul sister. We have the same father, and wow, is he good. I can not join you directly, and I cannot stretch my arms out for you and all your amazing work. You uh, but uh, no, here, let me just see. I can not join you directly and I cannot stretch my arms out to the whole world, only my little corner of it. But know that I will be praying for you and all your amazing work. You are a beautiful spouse of Jesus. Thank you for sharing your service, Stephanie. Stephanie, that was so tremendous. So beautiful, Stephanie. And you're doing that. You are raising children for the kingdom. You are doing that, Stephanie, day after day. One's already in the kingdom. You're raising children for the kingdom, and the desire you have to teach the faith and put your arms around the world is going to be poured out on your children, is going to be poured out on your children. And if you're homeschooling, you can maybe help to put your arms around other mothers in your parish or your neighborhood or or your sphere of uh, influence or whatever it may be and help them to begin to homeschool. And you can say to them, don't worry, you know, come to my house. I'll do it together and I'll get you started. You know, something like that. And you can come and our children can socialize. There's there's a way, uh, perhaps even more, of using the gifts and desires God has given you, but never, ever at the expense of your family, your husband first, your children second. Never, ever ever at that expense. There are mothers who feel exactly as you do and have as many children as you do, and the fire is on their hearts so much that they pour everything into their families, and then they write good books on how other mothers can do it. That may be a a thought. You might be able to, again, have mothers and their children come to you once a week and uh, and discuss all these things. You might be able to help the mothers while... Uh, teenagers work with the children. It, it could be a number of ways you can you can extend that, Stephanie. But your desires are wonderful, and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for your prayers. Um, beloved, when we come across someone like Stephanie, who loves First and Second Maccabees and the story of the mother and the seven sons, um, you uh, you should read those two books. You should read the books of a mother who um, whose sons had a choice whether to obey the wicked ruler um, and eat their food or refuse it and die. 
and one by one the sons were tortured and died, until at last the mother died. And when it was down to the youngest son, the last one, and the king was trying to uh, give him all kinds of, I forget now, I have to go back and read it, but wonderful positions and everything he would have had, wealth, if he gave in. The mother begged him. She said, son, I bore you in my womb. I didn't make you, God did. And I've raised you for God all these years. You can't betray this. You must die that I may be with you through all eternity. You must accept this martyrdom in order that I could see you in heaven. In other words, if you don't, if you give in, I'll never see you in eternity. You see, and he said, I wouldn't even think of not giving in. And he died for his faith. And then at last, the mother died too. And they were awfully, incredibly, horribly tortured. But they gave in. They didn't give in. Um, Rather, um, I was going to say they gave in to their faith. Um, uh, Mike, are you on the line from Elma, New York? Hello, Mike. Hi. Sure. Go ahead, dear. Um, I just wanted to follow up on a call. You, you responded about movies and watching movies, and I really appreciate yes. your comments. Um, I just wanted to say that I'm in the industry, of video production industry, and I just want to mention yeah, about... Wait, no, say um, it again. Don't talk so fast. You're in the what industry? I'm sorry. I'm in the video production industry. Gotcha. Okay. And um, these companies like Netflix and Hulu and Prime, these companies are watching what... They look at what you are watching. Yeah. So, for example, if you watch a movie that's bad or that, that has bad morals... They're noting that uh, they're doing analytics, and they're actually, um, they'll produce more content based on what you watch. So you're not, just, just, it's not just your own personal, it's, you're also affecting what's created. I mean, there's a lot of really bad shows that these companies are creating, and immoral shows, and if you watch them, you're actually voting for that. And if you rewind the show and watch certain parts, they're actually analyzing what you're doing and they're producing new shows based on what you're what you're actually wow. are. I just thought wow. you could comment on that. Oh, Mike, I bless you for calling in about that. I'm a goosebump. Everybody should hear that and believe it and understand it that when you watch you watch movies, maybe on your computer, maybe your TV or iPhone whatever it is, and you think you're doing it in private, nobody's going to see you watching that pornographic stuff. You are voting for it and contributing to um, to more debauchery in our society, and and they're analyzing what you're doing, Mike. That's an enormously uh, important point. And if someone says, "Well, I could care less what others do, and but I contribute to it," that's their business. Well, you cannot call yourself a Christian. You cannot. We need to return this culture to godliness and help our brothers and sisters to get to heaven. God bless you, Mike. Thanks for your call. There's our ending music, so we'll speak with you all tomorrow. God bless you.